Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Good evening, Lucy. Great to be speaking to you again so soon after our last podcast, but important Mm -hmm. things have occurred. And so in reviewing what's going on in the market and considering Chairman Powell's comments, I'm reminded of a story of how brokers in America would try to build a client base. And it's a very, very simple tactic. And the tactic is you'd start out with 100 clients and you'd divide them up and you'd send each group of 20 a different stock pick. Of course, you'd have a couple of those groups where the stock went well. You'd ignore the rest. And then you'd keep refining the group until you probably had a group of two or three people who thought you were a genius. Because, of course, if you just forecast often enough, if you just keep repeating your process, but with really no particular insight, you know, you're bound to be right. And so as I review the insights from a great many practitioners, I'm sort of struck by this kind of dynamic. The dynamic of everybody's trying to say, I told you so, but probably... They told you a lot of other things too at the same time that might have got you off the track or off the scent. And this is where it comes back to Chairman Powell's comments to not so much worry about all of the minutiae and the the back and the forth and the what about this and what about that. And just think of the very big picture. What he told us this week was pretty clear. He said, we're focused on 2% inflation. Some might say, well, yeah, yeah, he's going to say that until the Fed revises it to like 3.5% and decides Mm -hmm. they're not going to fight inflation anymore. But for now, we got to take him at his word. It's 2%. What does that mean while he stays on that? It means that interest rates are going to go higher and they're going to be there a while. And he said, we are serious about tightening financial conditions, which that means making sucking dollars out of the system, making it harder for companies to finance, making the cost of capital go up, slowing economic growth, creating unemployment. That's the big picture. Will he eventually change his view? And will the economy collapse and create some crisis? Well, maybe. But for now, let's focus on the very big picture. The very big picture says money is being sucked out of risk and sucked into low-risk assets. So if we take that as our backdrop, It doesn't mean necessarily sell everything and be in cash. But what it does mean is that barring a material change in the background information, it is unlikely that we're going to see material performance from risk assets for some period. Now, the problem with me saying that is that the S&P 500 today closes around 38.95. Now, for the next couple of months, it may bounce around 3800 may go a little lower 3600 up to 3900. It's bouncing around and I'm going, "Oh, bad market for returns, terrible market for returns." But then maybe in March or April, all in one week it turns. It's up 7 8% mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Something's happened, something's changed. Inflation is beaten. And you can say to yourself, well, look, I'm going to be there that week, right? 
I will put my money to work the day before or during that week and, and I'll get it. And if I don't get that, I'll know that that's the turn. And when the market's up 7%, then I'm going to buy. And I'd say, well, look, if, if you're that convinced, then absolutely, you know, take that. But what I would suggest in this kind of market, we call it a crab market. It's probably going to trend sideways. It may go down a bunch because things could get a lot worse. Mm. Is that you want to slowly, slowly be picking away. Slowly, slowly. So I've said you don't want to be less than 20 or 25% equities because you don't know. But you know that over the next six months, you're going to want to be building exposure potentially. You're going to sort of, you know, you're not going to be too worried that you get the exact bottom or whatever. And you're just picking away maybe every few weeks or whatever. Because historically, as we get into the teeth of a recession, which could come very soon in 2023, stocks collapse and then we tend to get our return off that period. And while it would be amazing if you could be 100% in cash, and then the day that everything collapses, you go 100% to equities, and you live to tell the tale, it is unlikely that you will achieve that result. So you will need to average in and then you'll need to average out at some point. So that's the world as I see it. It is a world where, let's listen to the big picture. The big picture says it's not time to be all in. We've got to be very careful looking at the data. The big picture says this is a time to be allocating softly. The better performance in the near term, it's quite clear with the economy softening, is likely going to come out of fixed income, government bonds, as an example. Perhaps out of investment grade credit, obviously there's a question there about where do spreads go. So I don't think you can simply just buy investment grade credit and hold it. I mean, you you can. I I think Amazon will repay uh, its debt. Mm -hmm. We don't have any credit losses there. But you will have a mark-to-market decline potentially and so forth. So we think now is a good time to be getting involved in that market because there's going to be some volatility. There's going to be opportunity. And as I've said to others, we have a fund in that space. And so we think that's probably where there's going to be more near-term return through the first, certainly the first part of next year than there will be out of equities. To be honest, Powell sort of said that to you. He said, look, we're not looking for growth. We're not worried about growth. We think less growth is better because inflation is our concern. Inflation is what we're fighting. We're not trying to find jobs for people. That will come later. That'll come later. So I think it's a little don't fight the Fed, a little bit of focus on the big picture at the moment. Thinking about the big picture, maybe let's take a step back. Did the latest FOMC and CPI solidify your thinking in terms of the big picture or has it just been a pattern that you observed throughout the year? I think that there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, I would have predicted that we would have had more trouble in the economy having raised rates so quickly, unprecedented, to change the direction of interest rates at this scale in this short period Mm -hmm. of time. I would have thought that would have caused more problems. I would have thought that the economy would have slowed more quickly, and I would have thought that unemployment would have been more evident and that consumer spending would have 
collapsed more quickly. None of these things have occurred. And that causes me to be a little cautious. And frankly, the CPI gets me a little cautious about a couple of things. The first thing is, there's no question that we are seeing material deflation in certain components of CPI. And actually, if you look at the run rate of CPI, it's sort of below 4% if you look at a very short-term run rate in aggregate. There is a real question as to whether or not we get deflation in a bunch of areas, like goods, like used cars, as an example, while we continue to see inflationary pressures in areas like wages. And that's because nothing the Fed does in interest rates creates more people, right? Now, it does compress demand so that the unemployment rate should lift. But at the end of the day, what people hiring people are saying is there's not that many folks around. We have compressed the labor supply in America and in Australia to a great extent as well. And we haven't had technology taking over everywhere. So that means that goods coming from China and elsewhere are are coming down in price, both because the dollar is higher and supply chain is easing and, and everything's getting back to normal. So yeah, your goods are coming down. Your used cars are coming down. The semiconductor problems aren't there. Energy prices are softening a little bit. All of that is fine. But at the end of the day, the pressures remain on labor. And that does a couple of things in the economy. One of the things it does is it really pressures margins for companies. We've talked about this. The other thing it does is it makes companies slower to fire. Because what you're worried about is, well, if this kind of turns out to be a soft landing, it's not so bad. So I think it's a slower uptick in unemployment. That means the Fed is just going to hang in there. Then you got housing. It's the other big element that's really important here is housing. So the best description I've had is of of what's going on in, in rents and housing going something like this. Housing prices took off 2020, 2021. People's wages went up. And yes, the borrowing costs were low. But they were like, this is crazy. I can't afford to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They go rent. But of course, rent is much lower in, in aggregate cost than your mortgage would be. So you're a little less price sensitive mm-hmm. to the marginal increases in rent. And your wage has gone up. So you're a little less sensitive. So until the prices of houses come down materially, and you see switching, okay, or unemployment increases materially, and you see people having to you know, move or downsize or do other things, you're in this stasis. Now, if interest rates had gone for mortgage rates had been at 4%, and then they went to 5.5%, well, you'd probably see house prices come off more quickly. Because at the end of the day, the homeowner can kind of look at it and go, ah, I used to have a 5% mortgage. Now I've got a 7%, but this house is nicer and it's a little less expensive and it's closer to my work, whatever. Well, now you're going from someone who's got 2% up to 6.5%. They're like, house prices have to come off so much to make up that difference. And so while we've got that, we could see you know, instead of seeing a decline in rents, the costs of living, you know, food, rent go up. People say, I need to be paid more because of all these costs. Mm-hmm. And the Fed says, well, look, until this really slows down, until unemployment crests 
you know, four and a half, five percent, materially higher than where we're hanging in there. We might be five and a quarter. We might get to six percent in that environment. Till we really see those key dynamics start to break, I think we need to be prepared that margins suffer, equities need to get cheaper for people to buy them, mm. and you're probably going to make more money in fixed income than you are in, in taking equity risk. You're not being rewarded for equity risk. I think this is a good time to wrap up. This is our last podcast before the new year. There's always a time for people to reflect and to looking forward to 2023 resolutions, ways of thinking in terms of their allocation strategy or how to look at the big picture. What's maybe top three things that investors should be thinking about or looking at in the next few months? Well, look, 2022 has been a brutally difficult year, I think, for anybody in markets. So I think that's self-evident. A couple of things I'm thinking about, I think 2023 could be a great year for the Australian dollar. I think that everything from interest rate policy to underlying fundamentals of Australia, the positioning relative to the US dollar, I'm buying Australian dollar here, somewhere between 64 and 66 or so. I think it trades back to the mid-70s. It could be even higher in 2023. So for Australians, I think that's a good thing to be thinking about. This is a great time to be deploying cash because it is going to be tight financial conditions for anybody needing capital for their business. I think 2023 will turn out to be a really good vintage for both private equity, venture funds, deploying capital. I think even it'll be end up being a good year to be deploying capital in public markets. This is no perfect point to point on these things. The other thing I would point out is that I think it could be a year where the crisis sneaks up on us. And it was over a year between the first Bear Stearns fund collapsing and the real GFC. Everybody wants their crisis overnight. They want it instantly. It doesn't happen like that. These things take a long time to gestate. In retrospect, we will see it all. We'll see it all in the rearview mirror. But I think 2023 will be a year where we could be surprised. And I believe the surprise will come out of refinancing in the real estate commercial sector. I think that that could be a real shocker. Things like data centers, sticks, and then you're going to have consumer credit in there as well that could be interesting as far as how all that refinancing is going to go and how it, when it tightens up, what begins to happen. I think that's where the risk is. And out of that will come some amazing opportunities for the year. I think it's a year when you're going to want to be putting some cash to work and probably when you're feeling the least confident about doing it. But it's definitely a year for investors. I think a year for stock pickers more than 2022 has been. It's going to be an exciting year ahead. Very much looking forward to those conversations in the new year. And finally, Gavin, do you have anyone on Twitter that we should be looking at? In the next couple um, of weeks. I need to send you somebody, Lucy, to follow. I'll tell you who you can't follow anymore. I who should we unfollow the, this week? No, well, who should we unfollow? Well, it, it, it looks like Elon Musk both took off the guy that follows his plane, and then I think he reinstated him, but he's now taking some journalists off. 
Well, for our listeners, you'll just have to watch this space and perhaps I'll post join our, our groups, Discord and WhatsApp, and we'll share Gavin's holiday Twitter follows and unfollows in the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. Have a great night. Thank you, you, Gavin. Bye. Bye.